Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show. Today, we're going to discuss viral pathogens associated with respiratory disease. And we'll talk about things such as IBR, BBD, BRSV, PI3, and just talk about the respiratory disease complex in general. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you right after these messages. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, and I'm a veterinarian owner and partner in production animal consultation, PAC. If you go to pacdvms.com, you can find us on the web. And, and I'm also a professor at Iowa State University, and Iowa State was uh, kind enough to give me a split appointment so I can be in private practice and be part of public education. So it's a public-private partnership, and I'm very thankful to, to John Lawrence, President Winterstein, and, and the team there at Iowa State. Anyway, as we discuss bovine respiratory disease, it's something that I have dealt with my entire career, being a feedlot veterinarian. It's the number one cause of death in, in beef cattle. And when we look at feedlot cattle, 50% of our death loss is due to bovine respiratory disease, 25 is due to digestive uh, death loss, and then 25% is due to other. And other would be CNS disorder, injury, uh, lameness, uh, some sort of other illness besides bloat, acidosis, coxie, or respiratory disease. So respiratory disease is a major focus. It's a source of our morbidity, it's a source of mortality, and it's a source of economic loss. So when I think about bovine respiratory disease, Dan Epson always said, there's two reasons why animals get sick, or people. And that is an overwhelming dose of a pathogen that they haven't been exposed to before, or a suppressed immune system. And when we talk about bovine respiratory disease, most of the time it's due to a suppressed immune system because the viruses, the bacteria, the different things that, that these cattle are exposed to constantly, we have good vaccines for, they have natural exposure, these bacteria inhabit the, the nose naturally uh, and then wind up in the, the lungs. So generally what happens is some sort of stress occurs, whether it's due to a stress from shipping, from weather, from maternal separation, things of that nature, exposure to a virus with the immune system suppressed where that virus, like we're gonna talk about IBR, BVD, BRSV, PI3, can create some sort of viral respiratory issue. That viral respiratory issue may, may culminate in different things, and then it allows what we call a secondary invader to come in. You know, if you have a cold and it turns to pneumonia, that's what bovine respiratory disease is. We have a viral pathogen. Uh, it sets up the lungs and the trachea, the, it disrupts the mucosal surface, and all of a sudden a normal bacteria that's in the nose of cattle winds up being inhaled and into the lungs and because of that suppressed immune system, whether it's manheimia, pasturella, histophilus, those different types of bacteria can then colonize in the lungs and cause a much bigger issue, just like what we see bovine respiratory diseases, bronchopneumonia, just like what we'd see in humans. And so suppressed immune system, 
viral pathogen, secondary invader of a bacterial pathogen, all of this can occur in a week and then we wind up with animals that get sick. Um, once they get sick, we treat them with an antibiotic because it's a bacterial infection. The one thing about antibiotics, also Dr. Epson used to say, is antibiotics don't cure the animal, they kill the bacteria and give the animal the chance to cure itself or heal from that infection. So when we come back, we're gonna pull that five-way modified live viral vaccine bottle off the shelf and we're gonna talk about its components. You're watching Doc Talk and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. We're here in Ames, Iowa, where I serve as a professor in the animal science department and I'm a consulting veterinarian across the United States for feedlots, packing plants, different types of uh, production operations associated with cattle. And, uh, you know, we, we, one of the things we discuss all the time is, is viral vaccines and the modified live viral, five-way modified live viral vaccine um, you know, my granddad used to say, I'm, he, I'm a third generation veterinarian, my daughter's a fourth generation. My granddad used to say there's three vaccines at work, IBR, Blackleg, and Banks. And I, um, IBR, he called it, you know, the old red nose, okay? Uh, Blackleg is the Clostridium chauvii, and Bangs is, is the Brucella. And I think we can put BVD vaccines in there today, but vaccine technology has changed so much over the the years and and the first one that we use that's in this uh, modified live viral vaccine is is IBR or infectious bovine rhinotracheitis virus and IBR is red nose it is globally dispersed in in beef cattle and it causes a red nose or pustules we see very few cases of IBR and the big reason why we see very few cases of IBR respiratory disease is because we vaccinate for it. We vaccinate for it in, in cows because IBR can cause uh, abortions. We vaccinate at weaning because it not only has the abortion component in cows, but it has a respiratory component in, in beef cattle. And we use modified live vaccines and, and they work extremely well and we see very few cases. However, when we do have sometimes these lightweight calves coming in that are drought stressed, they're weaned early, and we still have maternal antibody on board from the colostrum and we vaccinate them and the colostral antibody can neutralize that IBR virus. Meaning that that modified live virus that I put in that calf has been neutralized by the colostral antibodies and it will not create an immune response. And we might see exposure to IBR later where we see an outbreak in these calves at 90 or 100, 100 days uh, on feed. So what we do with some of these drought stress calves that are coming in at 200, 300 pounds is we'll vaccinate them on arrival, but we may bring them back in at 45 to 60 days on feed and revaccinate them, okay? To give them a second dose of, of IBR. Um, if we don't vaccinate for IBR, um, or we have something, some sort of glitch with the vaccine, IBR virus will infect the trachea. And the, the classic term of IBR in cattle is called sewer pipe trachea. And you'll get a, a fibrinonecrotic or a cheesy type substance that grows inside the trachea of these calves. It's pathognomonic for IBR, meaning that if you see that, it is IBR. And, and it's not something that's loose that just comes off real easy. It's embedded into the, the mucosal lining of that trachea. Well, that knocks out the little cilia that are located in the, 
in the trachea. And those cilia give us what we call mucociliary clearance, or else they bring the mucus ball back up out of the lungs where you cough up mucus. Well, if we knock out those cilia, the mucus can't come back up, the bacteria settle in the lungs. Not only do we have a, a immune deficiency, but now we have a mechanical disorder of not being able to clear their throat and we wind up with a secondary invaders such as Mannheimia, which we get bronchopneumonia. So IBR, first component of that five-way modified live viral vaccine. We'll talk about BVD right after these messages. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. I'm a veterinarian. I practice in a lot of different places, but uh, mainly Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, um, and, and see a lot of feedlot cattle, work with a lot of great producers, and um, have really been getting out and traveling a lot. And uh, so if you have a, a cattleman's meeting or something like that, and you think we might fit, give us a call. You can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. Um, been in Tennessee, Florida, uh, Colorado, Utah, um, a lot of fun, a lot of good people out there. So now we're going to talk about BBD, bovine viral diarrhea. So when we pick up the five-way modified live viral, IBR, and then there's BBD type 1 and BBD type 2 because there are two different biotypes of, of BBD that can cause problems. We used to only have BBD type 1. We discovered the second type, and now it's just pretty much automatically included in all the, the modified live vaccines that we give, whether it's to, to cows, uh, heifers, pre-breeding. And, and one thing I want to clarify, when we, for me in my practice, we never put a modified live viral vaccine in a pregnant cow. We use the modified live virals for uh, heifer uh, development and pre-breeding shots and, and heifers. We'll give two rounds prior to that first breeding season. And after that, we'll revaccinate with killed viral vaccines. Work with your veterinarian, they know best. Um, but type one and type two BBD, um, both can cause abortions in cows, okay? And so we vaccinate our cows for this. They also cause pretty severe uh, immunosuppression in feeder calves. And whether we have type one or type two, um, it seems to be that type two is even more immunosuppressive than type one um, when we get into some of these severe respiratory disease outbreaks. The thing about BVD is we get persistently infected calves. Persistently infected BVD calves become infected when they're in the uterus of the cow. And it's before the immune system of that fetus turns on. So when that fetus is in the cow, up until four months gestation, it doesn't have an immune system. At four to five months gestation, the immune system kicks on in that fetus. And the fetus takes inventory because it wants to know what's itself because it doesn't want to have an immune reaction against itself or an autoimmune reaction. So it says hooves, that's me, hairs, that's me, uh, eyes, that's me, heart, that's me, BVD, that's me, if it's infected with BVD. So then the rest of its life, when it's born, it considers BVD virus to be part of itself, and so we don't get immune reactions against it, okay? So then that animal has BVD in every replicating cell in its body, and it spreads it in saliva, in manure, in urine, in in any kind of bodily secretion it has. And it can infect the environment, it can infect um, the chute, the, you know, 
calf, nose to nose, shared water tanks, all those different types of things. So when we vaccinate at the feed yard level or we vaccinate at weaning, we're trying to vaccinate the calves that are not BVDPIs to prevent them from getting transiently infected, like us getting a cold, shedding it, clearing it. We want to protect them from those animals and vaccines um, are very, very effective. Some people may choose to test for BVDPIs and remove them from the pen. Some people may say simply, I'm going to vaccinate and, and that's going to be the coverage. You can vaccinate yourself out of a BVD problem in a cow herd. And one of the things that I recommend, if you're going to test and remove, number one, in a cow herd, you have to do all animals, including open heifers, bulls, and any cow that lost a calf. Um, and then in the feedlot, in my recommendation, if you aren't going to do BBD testing on all the animals, it's not worth the time on doing just part because of the hospital pens and different things that are shared spaces. When we come back, we'll talk about BRSV and PI3. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. We're here in Ames, Iowa. We're talking about five-way modified live viral vaccines. And we talked about IBR and BVD, which are probably the two most common that we talk about. I'll snip PI3 in a hurry. Uh, Parainfluenza 3 is a virus that can cause influenza. And uh, I've never seen a case of PI3. And I remember an old boy, I said, you know, I don't even know why we vaccinate for PI3. I've never seen a case of it. And he says, well, stop vaccinating for it and you will make some sense, okay? IBR, BVD, PI3, so it's a pretty short list on, on PI3 being in that uh, five-way modified live viral. Let's go to BRSV, so bovine respiratory syncytial virus. Every species has syncytial virus, and if you've had children, you know that we've heard about um, uh, RSV, respiratory syncytial virus in humans and little kids, and, and it attacks the interstitium of the, the lungs. And when we saw coronavirus and COVID this year, that can create some interstitial issues. Uh, so, can, so, so can BRSV. But the thing that's unique about bovine respiratory syncytial virus is that it um, tricks the animal. And, and Dr. Gershwin out at UC Davis is an incredible researcher that talks about bovine respiratory syncytial virus, that when the calf gets it, we, the, the immune response can go one of two ways. Well, one of three ways. It can not respond. One, it can respond in immune response and form antibodies against the, the pathogen, or it can go down what we would see it, call an allergic reaction. And, and, and what BRSV does will actually trick the body into going towards more of, a, of that calf's body of more of an allergic reaction. Therefore, we don't get an immune response, whether it's to the virus or to some of the bacteria. And what's interesting with BRSV is it seems to have an accomplice in crime called histophilus, which we used to call homophilus, okay? But we're learning more and more that BRSV and homophilus work together and that when we have BRSV taking the calf down this allergic reaction and we get a histophilus infection after it, it can further that, that animal heading down the allergic reaction rather than the immune reaction when we see this big overgrowth of bacteria, uh, lungs, cardio, uh, the, the heart tissue and things to that nature. So it's starting to make some, some sense. There's some new research at um, 
West Texas A&M, John Richardson's lab, that has shown that when we use the intranasal BRSV vaccines, it will change the microbiome of the nasal passages of that steer. And what he has seen is that after we give an intranasal vaccine versus giving an injectable, we will actually see the, the nasal microbiome shift from Mannheimia and Pasteurella to being dominate, the dominating species in the nasal passages being Histophilus. So there are some questions out there today. Work with your veterinarian on talking about some of these uh, internasal products, talk about how we're gonna protect against BRSV uh, and how we're gonna protect against Histophilus. Different vaccines, different types of, work with your pharmaceutical company to pick the right vaccines um, and, and understand, let's not create more of a problem uh, than, than we could prevent. Hope you enjoyed the show today. It's something that you can tell I have a passion for and something that uh, I enjoy working with our clients. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. Uh, always work with your local veterinarian out there in the trenches. Um, it, we're blessed to be a part of this profession and we're blessed to work with uh, farmers and ranchers just like you. Thanks for watching today. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson and I'll see you down the road. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. At Merck Animal Health, we wake up each day seeking new innovations to keep your herd healthy. This is why we're proud to now include all flex livestock intelligence in our portfolio of solutions. With Allflex, we can provide the tools to identify, monitor, and trace each animal within a herd. Its state-of-the-art offerings deliver real-time insights to help you optimize productivity. Merck Animal Health and Allflex Livestock Intelligence. For our animals, our industry, and our future.